0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I want to tell you my secret I now.
1: See I see
0: death. Silent and, and in people! No. I am I the father oh. 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 What's in, What's in the box? You it! You blew it, blew it up! Damn you! The hell? Hello and welcome to this Slate Spoiler special. I'm Sam Adams, a senior editor at Slate, and today we'll be spoiling Freaky, a gory slasher movie twist on the classic body swapping comedy. Joining me today is Karen Hahn, a staff writer at Slate. Hello, Karen.
1: Hi, yay! It's my first Slate podcast.
0: All right, I'm so glad to be able to say those those words, a staff rhetoric at Slate, because we've yeah. known for a little while, but it just became public uh, this week, so...
1: I'm so happy to hear them.
0: Okay, as I mentioned, we are discussing the movie Freaky, which was uh, co-written and directed by Christopher Landon, who I think some of our listeners will know from the Happy Death Day movies. Karen, what did you think of it?
1: Um, I really liked it. Um, as I was just um, discussing with uh, one of our colleagues uh, right before recording, like, it's not gonna win an oscar but it's tremendously fun and at this point in the quarantine i feel like that is kind of a high bar to clear where it's like i had a good time watching it the whole time and i didn't really have anything big to complain about um and also um i will say i like horror movies but i'm also a huge wuss and this came in at a good level for me in terms of not being too scary um but having enough to kind of set me on edge a few times
0: yeah, like the Happy Death Day movies before this, this is a little bit of a, a sort of meta slasher movie. Mm-hmm. This one, it tilts a little bit more towards sort of Straightforward is is a tough word to say, but it's a a little more in a kind of classic stalker vein, apart from the body-swapping part, which we'll get to seriously, and a little (laughs) bit less of a kind of Looney Tunes comedy than the Happy Death Day movies. Um, And I missed some of that comedy um, in this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, the Happy Death Day movies had Jessica Roth as the main character who basically gets killed over and over again in a very wily Coyote kind of way, Mm -hmm. Um, and that becomes especially in the second one just this kind of incredible running gag and then this one this movie has Catherine newton kind of in that that role and i think she's a great actress i really liked her in uh, breakers and in the netflix show the society uh which i one of i think about three people to watch all i was
1: just about to Um, say i'm surprised that you've seen it i
0: i i really can't explain it it's one of those it's like a bad show that i just really wanted to finish (laughs) Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about Millie, the character uh, Catherine Newton plays in this. Karen, you want to her sort to of give us a just a capsule description of who Millie is when we enter the story.
1: Yeah, for sure. So she's I guess kind of the stereotypical high school protag where she like seems really normal to any viewer, but is an outcast at school kind of because everyone else is like a super preppy student like um, it's it's crazy to think that Catherine Newton would be an outcast at any school just because she is a beautiful actress she seems really charming and great but the fact that she kind of dresses in a slightly more hipster way is what puts her apart here um, but on top of that her character's father passed away a year ago and she's kind of been her mother's um, primary source of support and uh, that feeling of obligation has kind of prevented her from really going out and having fun the way that she wants to during high school and I was also stopping her from um, applying to colleges that are kind of away from home. But she's also the the school mascot at uh, sports games. And it's while she's waiting to get picked up from a game and still wearing the mascot uniform that she comes across the Blissfield Butcher, which is Vince Vaughn's character, a serial killer. Um, And during the attempt on her life, the magical dagger that the butcher is wielding causes them to swap bodies. And that, puts kind of her high school social status um, into a bit of a tailspin. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, I mean, if you want to get a, a very clear sense of what kind of movie we're dealing with here, um, the uh, sports team at the Blissfield High, where Catherine Newton's character, Millie, is the mascot, and um, they're called the Biting Beavers. Um, <laughs> um, and it, it's underlined <laughs> several more times in the course mm-hmm. of the film, but that's like the level of um, just kind of you know over the top deliberately sophomoric humor we're dealing with here. Um we should say like the the opening scene in this is kind of when we meet the, the Blissfield Butcher is your classic um, you know, sort of stalker movie set up with these, you know, four teens, like their parents are out for the night, they're kind of rich, they're, you know, getting too drunk, about to have some or eventually have some, you know, teenage sex and and whatever. And the Blissfield butcher comes in and just, uh, true to form, I guess, butchers them. Um, Quite graphically, this is a very gory movie.
1: Yeah, I was shocked, because the first kill in the movie is this kid gets the neck of a wine bottle shoved down his throat and the butcher finally kills him by just smashing the bottle basically like inside his neck it's so gross
0: yeah and you actually see like the shards coming out his neck yeah. like, from the inside and stuff
1: it's horrible yeah i
0: mean this is this is a movie for anyone who has ever you know been recommended a horror movie and asked what are the kills yeah um, <laughs> it's definitely, like, playing to that demographic. Um, yeah, so anyway, this, this out, the house is owned by this, like, wealthy archaeologist. Vince Vaughn steals this, I think at some point they may say Aztec dagger, but it might just be kind of left mysterious, um, you know, ancient civilization called La Dola. Um, Millie is abandoned, sort of left late at this uh, sports game because her mom's a drunk. Um, that's how she's coping with the death of her husband. Um, and as a result, the police butcher comes after her, stabs her with a knife, um, the the sky goes red. She's like all of a sudden, you know. There's an overhead shot of a you know 50 yard line, and all of a sudden they're like on top of some like Aztec pir- pyramid. Um, she's getting sacrificed or something. And hey presto, um, at midnight that night, um, which also happens to take us to Friday the 13th. Um, <laughs> she wakes up. Um, she is in Vince Vaughn's body out uh, in this. Very creepily decorated. Um, I guess it's called the old mill. We eventually find out, and mm-hmm. he, more importantly, uh, wakes up in Catherine Newton's body. Um, and let's. Uh, then this is when it sort of gets underway. Like it, it this movie is basically Freaky Friday the Thirteenth is, is what yep. we're dealing with here. Um, and that sort of gives rise to basically both these actors, Catherine Newton and Vince Vaughn, are playing another spirit in their character, and that sort of like the the comedy in the movies the pathos when it tries for it really like comes from that like what's it like for um this kind of blonde teenage outcast to suddenly be in this you know giant you know six five vince vaughn body um and you know what happens to a, a teenage outcast when she's suddenly inhabited by the spirit of like a ruthless serial killer
1: he's a big man um Although I will say kind of the first thing that got me straight off the bat is that one of the big things about um, the Millie, the, I guess, butcher to Millie transformation when he's in her body, when he goes to school the next day is that he's suddenly wearing different makeup and different clothes and a high pony. And I was like, how does he know how to do any of that? (laughs) That's like, that's hard for me to do. the exact
0: same thought. I mean, I like that they didn't overdo it too much. Mm -hmm. Like she just comes in, she pulls like a red leather jacket, I think maybe out of her mom's closet or something. So she's wearing, like, a, you know, a leather jacket and, again yeah, has, like, a high ponytail and a sort of a full lip. Um, and it's like, how does Vincent know
1: how to do this mm-hmm. exactly?
0: But at least he didn't give her, like, she's just got a high ponytail on, like, that's that's doable, at least. It's, like, right right on the border.
1: It's harder than you think it would be, is what I'll say as someone with long hair.
0: <laughs> oh, I, I, I've done it on an 11-year-old's head many times, <laughs> and I know, yeah, it's tricky. Um so Millie comes to school. She seems like Millie, a little more confident, a little hotter, a little more of a jerk, um, which apparently is, you know, endears her to the popular kids. Um, her friends, who are played by Misha Ashurovich and Celeste O'Connor, immediately like know something's wrong. But because Millie doesn't even know that her, they're her friends, um, she doesn't know who they are, and she just immediately gravitates with that sort of serial killer radar. Just immediately gravitates towards the kind of. You know, snotty popular people at the school um, because those are those who—that's who serial killers love to pick off. Um, and why do you uh, what do you describe what happens next, Karen?
1: I mean. The Butcher basically, as you say, like follows that serial killer radar, which is funny in a movie sense where it's like it, he kills basically everyone that mil- used to bully Millie at school and like goes after them, um, I guess, because they also try to they gravitate back towards her in, in or him, I
0: guess the Butcher the pronouns are real. There, there is actually a line in the movie about like, you know, yeah. pronoun <laughs> trouble here. Like it's <laughs> it's tricky, but yeah.
1: But yeah, um, he in Millie, Millie's body goes after everyone who used to pick on Millie because their attitudes towards her, even, or uh, attitudes towards who they perceive to Millie, like, haven't really changed ultimately. And so it's, it's there's a weird sense of, like, um, Schadenfreude where it's like, oh, they kind of deserve what's coming to them, which is not what you'd say if this was happening in real life, but it's like, okay, because it's a movie. <laughs> where it's like, these people are jerks. Like, the first um, school kill is the, I guess, mean girl equivalent, yeah. um, who just kind of relentlessly bullies Millie for apparently no reason and now really wants to be her friend because she's a local celebrity after having been stabbed. And then it's like the the jocks get what's coming to them for being like kind of date rapey and weird and bad, as well as the home econ- or woodshop or home economics teacher played by Alan Ruck, yeah. who dies in maybe the the worst death in this movie, I think, because he gets vivisected. Yeah,
0: the worst, the best. It depends on your yardstick. but Yeah, the
1: most. Yeah, exactly. Worst, best death.
0: <laughs> so yeah, mean girl gets it in a kind of final destination-y way where she gets locked inside um some sort of like cryo unit that they have in the physical therapy room where she yeah, you know, so she gets frozen and then um then Vince Vaughn as Millie. Oh god, this is so hard to talk about, um, like, <laughs> finds her and, and opens the thing and she her she just falls out and shatters on the floor. Um Ugh. and then Millie slash Blissfield Butcher. Um, moves on to her shop teacher, played by Alan Ruck, um, who as you mentioned, um, who's just kind of a sublime uh jerk in this. I think they really <laughs> yeah. they, they like make him um obviously he's kind of been back in the, the spotlight um with succession in the last couple of years, Woo-hoo! but this is um very much, I think, you know, drawing on you know his place in Ferris Bueller and his, his kind of yeah. iconic teen movie actor who they're putting into this film.
1: I like I will have to say that Mr. Fletcher is so mean. I almost like thought there was going to be more to that just because he's so almost like sociopathically mean towards just Millie, especially uh, there's a certain extent to which the self-defense defense defense works when Millie, when Butcher as Millie is attacking him and he really just goes out on like kicking her when she's down. And I was like, that's not like normal. You'd run out of there at that point. If the, if someone who was trying to kill you was knocked down, right? Right. Yeah. But he's
0: actually, you know, yeah, like really fully, like just beating on, this mm-hmm. the body of this teenage girl um, in a way, you know, and it's like the movie you just you obviously you're thinking Vince Vaughn, even though you're looking at, at Catherine Newton. Um, but you can imagine if somebody walked in and saw him just like, you know, punching this, you know, 17 year old girl in the face. Um, mm-hmm. that, that might be <laughs> a bit of a problem for him. Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately <laughs> for him, he gets a kind of, you know, circular saw um, splits him in half from head to toe. So uh, nobody doesn't have to worry about those complaints.
1: Oof, yeah. Also kind of Final destination Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of, you know, th- these movies, you know, Happy Death Day was like this in a way, too. I think this one even more so kind of walks the line of... You know, right between sort of, like, reference and ripoff. Mm-hmm. There's so much of this so familiar from so many other movies, and you can be like, oh, that's that's like, the, you know, the kill in this movie. That's like the thing in Final Destination 5 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and you can sort of chalk that all up as, as a reference. But it, at a certain point, it does start to feel like, um, you know, the self-consciousness is not just kind of like a get-out-of-jail-free card. Yeah. Um, so meanwhile, while Millie is kind of going on this rampage, um, Millie's spirit has woken up in in Vince Vaughn's body, and I think Vince Vaughn, like I, as I said, like, I, I love Catherine Newton, but you know, playing a serial killer, like basically what she needs to do, is just look kind of stern and, and badass. It's not like yeah a huge acting challenge for her, and I think Vince Vaughn um, playing the body of Vince Vaughn with the spirit of a high school girl, and it is sort of a sort of a bigger ask for him
1: yeah he just has more to do in the movie um I think partially like because we get to meet Millie before this all happens whereas the butcher like kills a bunch of people but you don't really get any sense of personality from the guy um so in that sense it is more Vince Vaughn's movie I would say um and yeah I was I was talking to Forrest about the movie after this morning because he's just seen it as well and saying that it reminded us a lot of um the Jack Black part of the Jumanji reboots where the like somehow they carry off having a teenage girl in a middle-aged man's body really well. And in a way that's like funny and kind of sweet rather than like only being a stereotype.
0: Right. And what, what do you think Vince Vaughn falls sort of in relation to that?
1: Um, I think he doesn't succeed quite as well. I think he's really good. But I think the fact that Jack Black is not the primary part of the Jumanji movie is maybe what makes that more successful, just because it's a smaller part. Um, it doesn't demand as much focus. Uh, whereas this, I do feel like occasionally Vince Vaughn is playing a bit more of a stereotype of a teenage girl, mostly in the, how like he changes his physicality like when he's running, where it's like the hands come up and it's kind of more... "Quote unquote, like feminine." Yeah,
0: the run is a the run is a big like sticking point for me. He got those sort of you know floppy wrists, like yeah, you know, out of the side when he's running across the street, and it just feels like, I mean, we've seen this before, like a lot in other contexts that is not. Uh. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Um, But otherwise I do think he's really good. Like the two kind of big emotional beats first, when um, Millie in the butcher's body comes across uh, Millie's mother um, and has a heart to heart just because her mom doesn't know who she is now. And the other scene where Millie is talking to her crush while still in the butcher's body, both of those feel very like emotionally true and very sweet. And I think the fact that the more important moments carry off really well um, helps to soften the fact that like the, the some some of his other affectations are not as good
0: right I mean this is definitely a movie I uh, just reading over the reviews of it it's one of those ones where like every review has the word heart in it um, you know so this is a kind of <laughs> you know slasher comedy very gory very over-the-top but it also has heart um, and you know as you mentioned a lot of the scenes come with Millie um, particularly with her her mother and her her sister kind of finally um, reckoning with her dad's death, with what it's done to her and what it's done Mm -hmm. to her family. Um, And those are um, moments when the comedy like totally goes away. And Vince Vaughn is really just, um, and it's done in this case, you know, the case of the big heart to heart with, with her mother through the door of this. um, I, I guess it's a gender neutral dressing room, but it like gives off like women's dressing room vibes. Like it's all kind of pink and white. Um, So through the, the dressing room door at the department store where her mom Works, Um, and Vince Vaughn is—you know—he's not playing Millie. He's just like a guy who needs help with a—you know—finding a polo shirt that fits or whatever. But he starts talking about how, you know, his dad died and he had a real like hard time dealing with it. But his—you know—mom like really kept the family together. Yada yada yada, Um, and of course we know that it's Millie talking about her family. Um, And the mom just kind of thinks it's like Mm -hmm. a person with parallel experience who then she then um, kind of tries to hit on and (laughs) go out with, which is a sublimely weird button to the scene.
1: Yeah. Uh, Back to the future. Good back to the future, Paul, there. Yeah.
0: I did feel like, I mean, the Jack Black character in Jumanji is a really interesting reference point for this. And without making Mm. like too much of the Jumanji movies, like I do think there is like just a little sort of, you know, soups on of, like, trans subtext in those movies. I mean, and they're about, like, kind of video mm-hmm. game avatars and, like, who you are in that world and whether you're the character yeah, or the person. Yeah, that's fair, yeah. Um, and, you know, the Jumanji movies, they're not, like, huge intellectual lifts, but I felt <laughs> like there was some knowingness about it. Um, and as I mentioned, there's, you know, there's one, like, pronouns joke in here, but this doesn't feel... Um, apart from the, the ness, which I guess is, you know, somewhat 21st century, but the, the, mm-hmm. the, the way this movie deals with, with gender is like fine, but it doesn't seem like particularly more interesting than a movie that would have been made about this like 25 years ago.
1: Yeah, no, not really. I mean, I feel like the only um, attempt they make at like trying to recognize, um, either like non-binary or queer characters is just through, one of uh, Millie's friends who is gay, and like his experiences at the school being bullied, like specifically because of that. But otherwise, there's not really too much going on. Like, even when um, Millie is. Butcher. Although I guess this is maybe a good point when he's when she's interacting with her crush. It's the problem isn't that like oh let's wait till w- until I'm a girl again to talk about this. It's just like let's wait till like I'm back in my real body. It's not a it's a, not a question of gender. Right.
0: And there is there is a moment where like she in Vince Vaughn's body and her you know the, this boy that she's had a crush on forever. Like they do kiss for a second. And I, I mm-hmm. think the movie like I I would not call it sort of like a gay panic beat. Like it's not like. You know, they're not freaking out about it or anything because it's it sort of it's consensual. Um, but they're but then they're like, yeah, this is like not the thing we wanted to do. Like let's just let's put a mm-hmm. pin in this, <laughs> you know, for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned her friend um Josh, and, and that is like one of the sort of more overt um wink wink movies is when um the the butcher uh, you know, I like the fact that for example, like that they just have this police sketch of the butcher after he attacks Millie, but there's no, it don't <laughs> yeah. do the sort of like drawn out comedy of like, he doesn't look like, look like the sketch or whatever. Like everybody recognizes Vince Vaughn instantly. So he can't go mm-hmm. anywhere because people think he's a serial killer. <laughs> um, so he shows up at the mm-hmm. school and Millie's friends are like running, running away from him. Um, there's this great fight in the kitchen where they're just trying to ward him off with like slotted spoons and stuff, um, which really takes the, the, the sting out of the fact that they think they're about to be murdered um but he he does say um Millie mm-hmm. to say one point like to to her other friend like oh my god you know like I'm gay you're black we're going to be the first ones to die um and it's like yeah <laughs> blank, blank. I mean the movie already killed like four straight white kids in the opening 2 minutes but um <laughs> but yeah but it but I mean that's like the kind of uh you know it's like a fine self-conscious joke but again it's like everybody Mm-hmm. we all like know that trope and the jokes on that trope and whatever
1: yeah i, I mean I, I really what i like about that joke is like first it is a funny kind of self-awareness but also not kind of too obvious about it because there's a lot of different kind of horror tropes that freaky goes through but it's never in a kind of oh like look how smart and referential we are about horror it's just in a fun way and like just for the audience to kind of point on being like oh like i understand that joke it's not like Deadpool territory. Right. Well, and they
0: are. And they also like jokes kind of from, you know, not they're not obscure references or anything, but they're jokes, you know, from kind of mm-hmm. just far enough inside two people on the inside. Like they are, you know, jokes kind of aimed at a horror audience who is there for, you know, like a horror slasher movie who does want the kills, you know, and you're going to get them. Um, you're going to get some very kind of vicious blood. <laughs> um, you know, there's one point in, in the first scene where the the butcher like, you um, picks up the the daughter of the parents whose, you know, house they're all drinking in. He throws a spear at her, misses, it kind of sticks in the wall. Then she she chases her around for a couple minutes. You know, she hides. You think she's getting away. And then he comes out, just like picks her up in the air and just like physically like skewers her on this thing.
1: Um, Yeah.
0: (laughs) um, It reminded me very much of like the opening scene of Scream 2, where it's trying to kind of balance Mm -hmm. the sort of meta comedy with a really like horrific murders. Yeah. Let's take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsors. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
1: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. I mean, I guess I guess we can get further into the plot of it because the so at midnight Millie and the butcher switch bodies and about halfway through the day, they realize that the only way to get Millie back into her old body is to get the um, magic knife and then in the butcher's body, stab the body that she's currently inhabiting with it. And that will um, put their bodies back into place. But they only have until midnight to do it, which is a crucial plot point since it's not a lot of time to catch a serial killer.
0: Yeah, and I think at the point they tell her it's like, you know, three o'clock or in the afternoon or something like that. Like, they figured out pretty yeah, late.
1: Yeah, she's like, oh, we only have yes. nine hours left. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: um, so, yeah, so that gives way to, you know, sort of sort of parallel chases. Um, and, you know, Millie and the Butcher kind of chasing each other all over town. Um, the Butcher, I think, doesn't know he's being pursued for a lot of that, but has, like, a real agenda. It's also, like, homecoming weekend, so the Butcher set up this thing where he's going to lure... Mm-hmm all his classmates out to because Millie's cool now and she's actually like if she throws a party like people are going to want to come so she says like there's the party (laughs) at the old mill Um, which turns out to be the place where you know she woke up in in Vince Vaughn's body it's his sort of like creepy hangout serial killer bachelor pad I guess
1: Um, I have to say I was very impressed with how quickly they made it like a cool party space, because it's so creepy and gross when Millie first wakes up in there. And then when they go there for the homecoming party, it's like fully like a rave zone. Yeah,
0: I don't know. It's like, I mean, I know there's a lot of like people skilled in, in pop up events these days, but I'm not quite sure how <laughs> it got transformed so For quickly. For
1: a high school, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so that sort of takes us into, you mentioned the kind of, like, you know, rapey, like, frat boy encounter, and that's sort of the last big, mm-hmm. um, like, gruesome set piece here. You want to walk us through that bit, Karen?
1: Yeah. Um. So once they get to the homecoming um, party, they're just basically at that point just trying to find um, the butcher to figure out what's going on. Um, and at the point, the butcher has kind of become part of the whole popular clique including with all the jocks who at this point are all like oh like millie's hot now we all want to get with her um but she in turn is like kind of really aggressive towards them like there's one line that um she says to one of the guys who's groping her and hitting on her it just says i'm not going to say it on the podcast but it's basically like you've never had sex appeal and you never will and um (laughs) the guy takes it super personally
0: (laughs) that's a very like very like pg rated paraphrase of the thing she says yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> but the guy takes it super personally and then calls up two of his friends and so he lures her away from the party where he's like oh like you want me now don't you but when he gets her in a room um he brings two of his buddies and the suggestion basically is that they're all they're going to gangbang her um and uh unfortunately for them they don't know that she's a serial killer and who basically immediately takes them all out with the help of a beer bottle and a chainsaw <laughs>
0: Which is just, you know, you have hanging around for...
1: It's an old mill, I mean... Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah, so this is the point at which having... Um, and, you know, part of this whole dynamic is that... I'm not sure if we've mentioned this yet or not, but Millie's sister is a police officer. Um, based on what we see, one of, like, maybe two or three in the entire town. Um, always seems to kind of show up at everything. But she is chasing down um, the Blissfield Butcher, who, unbeknownst mm-hmm. to her, has the spirit of her sister... Inside, and, and so she keeps kind of blocking Millie as she's trying to catch up with the butcher and switch their bodies back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that becomes, there's a, you know, and again, like, the movie doesn't make a ton of it, but there is a little bit of a, um, I don't know, older sister, younger sister dynamic there, like, the older sister never believing any, mm-hmm. anything the younger sister says, not taking her seriously. Um, yeah. They're still, like, kind of brought together by their mutual grief and, and stuff like that. So that that is another, like... I don't know, interpersonal dynamic that has to be worked out um, along the way. while they're yeah. preventing people from getting cut in half with chainsaws. And
1: yeah, I will say, I, I thought that they would make more out of it just because um, Millie never totally successfully convinces her sister about what's happened. But the way that they managed to get away from her sister is that they turn the tables on her and lock her in one of the jail cells. And as they're leaving, Millie and the butcher's body apologizes for some childhood events that they'd gone through together and then leaves without saying anything else. And the fact that the butcher would somehow know about those very personal things made me think that maybe the sister would get in on it at the end or at least say something towards the end of the movie. But it just never circles back on that.
0: Yeah, it's not an especially short movie. It's about hundred minutes, so you know, fine length, but not a sort of like you know, lean eighty-eight minutes mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, but it does feel like I, I don't know if stuff was like cut out or just you know lost in a draft or something. But it does feel like beats are being pointed to that are then don't appear again. I yeah. felt could have made it like a made it like a um, just a more like coherent story. So anyway, so we have this big confrontation at the old mill. Um, Millie's sister comes in shoots the butcher dead quote unquote um, and because I've never seen a horror movie before I'm like oh well that's over Very wait did good. really? Um, no no okay. then, then, they, then they cut to, then they cut to him in the ambulance and I'm like oh they're just reminding us that he's dead and still in the ambulance and presumably nothing will happen from now on um, but no so we find out um, you know we see him flatlining in the ambulance but then there's a little cut in and you see that his uh, he just has, like slipped a little you know blood pressure cuff off his finger um, we cut away, but you know, presumably the two paramedics die horrible deaths after that, and uh, you know this movie that has been, you know, sort of concerned more or less with uh, this cut, resolving these domestic uh, issues. You know, Millie's the death of her father, the mother's alcoholism, of course, eventually ends up. Back at their house um, which is where the butchers tr- tracked them for their final confrontation
1: but you glossed over the best plot point which is that the whole reason that millie and the butcher are able to finally switch bodies is because of a note from her crush earlier in the film where she comes in late for woodshop class and alan ruck's like oh you're always late for class and then her crush is like here's a pro tip if you set your watch five minutes early you'll be you'll be on time for everything and then when they finally stabbed the butcher, Millie's like, oh no, it's midnight. It's not time. Like we've, we haven't hit the deadline. I'm never going to go back to my body. But then it's like, oh, JK, because of your crush, you have your watches five minutes early.
0: I don't know if this is a sign of like my, you know, declining mental capacity or what, but I mean, I was, Literally, you know, when they have that scene early in the movie where the guy's like, "Oh, always set your watch back, you know, five watch ahead five minutes, mm-hmm. and you'll always be on time." And I was like, "Oh, that's obviously going to come back at the end of the movie." Then I <laughs> completely forgotten about it by the end of the movie. Um, maybe that just means I'm an idiot. Uh, I mean, please, yeah, by all <laughs> I, means, I mean, listeners. There's um, a lot
1: know. going on in the movie. You're forgiven for forgetting that. Yes. I think. <laughs>
0: um, so so final confrontation time. I mean, one of the. One of the things I, I like about this movie that I think is is interesting about it is that, you know, it's a body swap movie. Um, so we learn and we, we get a lot from Millie about what she learns about um, being in the body of this six foot five man. And it gives her, mm-hmm. you know, confidence. And she realizes she can, like, just say things and people will listen to her because she's the six foot five white dude. Um, there, there's a lot of that, like, going on, which is pretty you know, could be proper, but I think it's like sort of a neat idea. Um, but we get, there's no, the movie has no interest in like who the Blissfield Butcher is. Like he has, <laughs> when he's in Millie's body, like he has some kind of badass lines and he goes and kills people. We, we don't actually hear Vince Vaughn speak until I think like the last, you know, two or three minutes of, of the movie, like in his own, in, mm-hmm. in the butcher's voice. Like he doesn't have any lines at the beginning or when he's stalking her or anything. So he's really not, a character, which I think is, is like a good, a good decision. Cause we don't really need to like both sides serial killing. Um, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, do, do you think that that, like that sort of, you know, switcheroo was like, uh, I don't know, pregnant. Did you feel like the, the movie did enough with that or could they have done sort of more interesting stuff with it?
1: I agree that I feel like they could have done more with what they find what they get out of being each other's bodies because one of the big things about the butcher being in millie's body is he doesn't have as easy a time killing people because he's smaller and doesn't have as much physical strength and he can't like do as much um obviously it's a little more interesting from millie's side where she's where formerly she'd been a, a little bit um Uh, unconfident or not sure of herself but suddenly feels like she does have more strength more ability to do things like she even at one point um, encounters one of the kids who'd bullied her at school and kind of bullies him back really and is like oh like I can do this now like I can and, and then tells him, like, if you ever mess with Millie or anybody else again, like, I'll come get you. And, like, he, he she now in this body can do that where she hadn't really been able to before. And I, I feel like they could have dug into that a little bit more, although I don't necessarily know how without maybe getting into um, slightly too gendered of a conversation um, in that respect. And also, the movie is, I think, a perfect length as it is. I'm not sure. Again, I'm just not sure, like, where those um, additional aspects would have come into play.
0: Yeah, and again, that scene where where he's, like, you know, kind of bullying the, the kid back is one where you really, um, I sort of did it in morning, but you don't want to step back and be like, wait, this is, like, a 50-year-old man, like, bullying a teenage boy in a school bathroom. Like, this is, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is weird. Um, but yeah. not, like, you really have to... Remember that that's still a teenage girl, theoretically, or something. Because otherwise, the the yeah. semiotics of it are just all over the place.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um. So, what do you want to like take us through? Sort of like just the last, kind of the end game of this. Like what ha- happens in this final confrontation?
1: Yeah. So they do kind of address what we just talked about in the final confrontation because Millie and the butcher are now, um, fighting a con- pit pit against each other in this final big fight. And the butcher is kind of saying like, you're so weak in your body. Like you can't really do anything to fight back. Um, but then in a, in a very, uh, reboot Halloween kind of way, Millie, her sister and her mother all come together to fight the butcher and manage to, um, kill him. Um, just kind of through, I guess, uh, familial power, um, and familial, uh, love and strength. And, um, the movie ends like with Millie repeating a line that had been said to her in a kind of derogatory way in the beginning. um, But in a way that is, I guess, sort of empowering now where she's becoming more confident, especially like she expresses to her crush that the way that she feels in her new body, where she's like, I feel like more confident just because I'm bigger and stronger now. And he tells her that, that kind of confidence and strength comes from inside, which is a nice thing to say and technically true. And it seems to be something that she is kind of realizing um, towards the end of the movie.
0: Yes. And that last line is,
1: isn't it, um, I'm a fucking piece?
0: Yes. Some of the yeah. Like, and then, you know, electric guitar. Or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's, you know. And, and I'm not sure if it actually, like, freeze frames, but that's definitely, like, the vibe. Yeah. <laughs> um, it might just, like, smash cut to the credits or whatever. But yeah. The and NCIS. It, yes.
1: like, yeah. Um,
0: yeah. So then, you know, it's, I mean, I think we're both kind of coming down in in the same place here, which is, you know, this is, like, a fun movie. This is, is technically uh, going into movie theaters, um, I would not, uh, you know, pandemic and all recommend you seeing it there, um, but it's going to be mm-hmm. on VOD soon. Um, and it, it I know not
1: played a drive through yes. around here, which seems like maybe the ideal way to watch Yeah,
0: it. no, it's definitely like a drive through vibe. I think it'll be fine at home. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where, where we both watched it. Um, yeah. It is not, you know, sort of big screen spectacle that you're going to like... Kick yourself for having missed um, all else being equal. But yeah, but it's it's totally like fun and, and enjoyable. I don't regret uh, having seen Alan Ruck cut in half with a saw at all. Um, my life is richer for it. Um, <laughs> um, give it a Thank like.
1: you, Alan Ruck.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Alan Ruck. We owe you a debt of gratitude.
1: Yeah, it's just a really fun movie. And the kind of thing where... I I guess I'm not sure how much it you would have to pay to watch it right now. I assume like 16, anywhere between 16 to 20 dollars to rent it, which is I think a fine price if you're watching it with people. Uh, if it, if it ever hits streaming, it's definitely something you should that's worth checking out. Um, especially I guess around Halloween, it's nice that it is coming out on Friday the 13th.
0: Yes, yeah, I mean that that had to be the case. <laughs> um, that brings us to the end of another spoiler special. Thank you to Slate staff writer Karen Hahn.
1: Thank you so much for having me on.
0: Our producer is Morgan Flannery. Please subscribe to the Slate Spoiler special podcast feed. And if you like the show, please rate and review it in the Apple Podcast Store or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have suggestions for movies or TV shows we should spoil, or if you have any other feedback you'd like to share, please send it to spoilers at slate.com. On behalf of Karen Hahn and myself, thanks for listening.